What's up, Coastal Church? How we doing? Awesome. You're doing great. It sounds great. It should be a lot of fun. This, uh, this feedback, it, it'll, it'll be a blast. My name is Pastor Justin. Uh, we are planning a church in Winter Springs uh, in January. Just really excited about what God uh, is doing um, in our lives and going to do in that community. And I don't know if you know this. Um, I don't know how long you've been around here. Um, but you have some of the, the, the best pastor staff and two of the best lead pastors that, that I've really... I've ever met. I mean, people say they support you, uh, but then when they, very few actually follow through uh, with action with their words. And you have two people that not only from the platform, but in real life that when they say they have your back and they support you, that they're going to do everything they can to help you be successful and achieve God's plan. And we don't even go to this church. We don't give to this church. Uh, we're, and, and they are supporting us and they are sending us. And, and I just want to thank you for the investment in us. And just, I want you to honor your pastors, TJ and Shayla. They're just awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I got in trouble in the first service. I'm going to go ahead and introduce my wife real quick, Stephanie. She's over here. She's the cute blonde. She's with me. Hands off. Eyes off. Bounce your eyes. That's mine. So she's, she's great. We've been married for, uh, for seven years uh, in June. June 10th uh, was seven years, so we could celebrate that. She's put up with me for seven years. Or not. You don't have to clap. This is it's really, this is going to be fun. Uh, it feels like seven minutes. Uh, it's real, real short, seven minutes underwater, so it hasn't been as good. Um, but no, it's been great. I love my wife, and uh, we have a lot of fun, and we're really excited about what God is doing. We also have a little baby boy uh, named Bentley, uh, Bentley Tyler. He's two and a half years old. I don't know if I can call him Baby Bentley anymore, but that's what we call him. He's, he's almost three, and he is, uh, he's potty training right now. And I never thought, you parents in here, that I, I've never thought that I would celebrate bodily excrement the way that I do. I mean, I celebrate it like we just won the Super Bowl or the Miami Heat just won the, Nas- the, uh, the NBA championship for the second year in a row. Hallelujah. Um, and so, Bentley is potty trained. I never thought I'd say poo-poo on the potty as a 28-year-old man either. I mean, that's, the phrases that come out of your mouth as a dad are absolutely ridiculous. And, and, and what we're going to talk about today, uh, my son is the, the perfect illustration. He is the perfect sermon illustration. So, I love, I love to work out. Um, and so I do that quite a bit. P90X, anybody in the house? Tony Horton, just keep pressing play. You know, if you need to take a break, go ahead. We'll be here. We'll be right here. If you've seen it, that's, I guess the first service worked out a lot more than you guys. That's why they got up early. They probably got a workout in. Starbucks, the quiet time. They laughed at that because they've done P90X. You guys will wake up later. So, so I'm working out and, and I'm curling some hundreds, right? You know, just, 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 I'm not curling hundreds. This is a small shirt. This is definitely not curling hundreds. And so, um, and so I'm curling, okay, I'm curling 50s, right? Okay, I've got 50s. And nobody still believes. I see one guy back here still shaking. I said, okay, I'm curling 10s. They're the purple 10s with the foam on the side. My wife and I actually share the same weights. And so, so I'm curling. And, and Bentley loves to do everything that daddy does. And so, so he comes into the room and he's doing push-ups on his knees and his hands. And he doesn't actually go down. He just bobs his head. And hopefully that's not what I look like, but it could be. And so he's trying to pick up these weights. And they really are. They're probably 30s. And he's, and he's bending down and he's, he's straining and he's struggling. He's starting to get that face that looks like he needs to poo-poo on the potty. You know, I'm talking about like turning kind of purple eyes or bulging and he's bending down he's trying to lift this weight and he looks at me after after a a few seconds and he's like daddy daddy these weights are stuck and he's just they're stuck like they're stuck I'm like buddy they're not stuck you're just not strong enough to lift them he's like no they're stuck and that's what I want to talk about today I want to talk about the areas of our life that we're stuck because I don't know if you know this but God has a plan for your life he has a destination and a destiny for you. 
And I think a lot of times we're stuck. We're stuck somewhere in the process. We're, we're running from the process, but we're not where God needs us to be and where he wants us to be. That's what we're going to talk about today, how to get unstuck. We're going to study a passage in Luke 15, so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. And uh, right before we start, let's, uh, let's pray real quick. God, we love you, and we thank you so much uh, just for this opportunity to just uh, open up your living, active word, the, uh, to worship you, God, that it would just uh, be your word spoken today, not mine, your thoughts, not mine, and that we would leave here different, unstuck uh, in the name of Jesus. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. And amen. So we're going to talk about Luke 15. If you've been in church before, this is the prodigal son, the lost son. That's what we're talking about today. Don't roll your eyes. You have not heard it like this before, I guarantee you. Um, so I, when I read the Bible, I have to, I'm not real brilliant. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. I don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm not the smartest person in the world. So I have to like put it like in my terms and stuff that could be going on in my life to kind of, kind of bring it to life. So I thought the prodigal son needed a soundtrack. And so as we tell the story today, I would like to provide some modern or somewhat modern music to help us. Disclaimer, I'm an awful singer. Like, it's not good. When the Bible said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, he, it was talking about me. Uh, the only person I've heard sing worse is maybe Pastor TJ standing next to him this morning. So this is not going to be good, but that's okay. And, and my wife said, don't do this because they're, they're not going to laugh. And so if, you can laugh at me. I'm giving you permission to laugh at me or with me, I don't know you, it doesn't really matter after today, so we'll just assume that you're laughing with me. So the prodigal son goes like this. This kid goes to his dad and says, basically, dad, I love you, you've been great, uh, but I'm, it's time for me to go. Like, I need to go, and oh, by the way, I want all that you have for me. I want my full inheritance right now. So if you could give me my money, I'm gonna be out. I know what I want, and I want it now. Or, or money, 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 right? We're tracking this. It'll be fun. We're going. Okay, we're, go we're going some point. We're going somewhere. It gets better. So, so he says, I want your money and I want it now. So he takes everything. He takes his inheritance, his half, and he goes out. And the Bible says he spends it on, on wild living, on prostitutes, on parties. And then it, it comes to a point where he has spent everything, right? He is broke. Like he is flat broke. And, uh, and the Bible says that at that same time, a famine breaks out across the land. And he finds himself, this young, wealthy, or used to be wealthy young man, is feeding pigs. Like he is so poor that he is feeding pigs. And the Bible says that even the pods, the slop that he's feeding the pigs, look appealing to him. So this rich man is now poor, broke, famine's broken out, and he's feeding pigs. While he's feeding those pigs, he thinks back to those, those carriage rides with his mom and what was playing through the speakers. It was, don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the Sea of Galilee that you're used to. I know that you're gonna have it your way or nothing at all. But prodigal son, I think you're moving too fast. <laughs> and so he was thinking, I shouldn't have chased those waterfalls. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have stayed at home where, where dad was and where I knew everything. And, but he's broke and he's thinking to himself, man, I, I could just, I could go home and I could be a hired servant. I could be a slave in my father's house and it would be better than this. So he started singing on his way home. I'm going home to the place where I belong. Where daddy's always had enough for me to eat. Because he's hungry, he's feeding the pigs. You get to see what I did there. And so, so he's, he's going home and he's, and he's singing that song and he's excited and he's nervous and he's scared. Well, how's his dad going to respond? And the Bible says as he approaches his family estate, as he approaches his home, the father sees him from a long ways off. And he says he runs to him and he embraces him. No excuses, no explanation. He embraces his son. And the Bible says he kissed him and he kept kissing him in the Greek. He gave him butterfly kisses. 
with the servants there, sticking little white flowers in his dirty hair. I walked out on you, Daddy, for the last time. Can you ever forgive me, Daddy? Daddy, don't cry. Oh, with all that I've done wrong, can I ever make it right? <laughs> and deserve a hug every morning and butterfly kisses at night. He gave him butterfly kisses with all the servants there. And so he, he hugged him and he embraced him. He said, kill the fattened calf, throw a party. And the, the DJ was spinning, celebrate good times, come on. It's a celebration, right? And so they were celebrating. And then the older son comes in from the fields. He hears this commotion. He hears this party. And he comes into one of the servants. He's like, what's going on? It's like your younger brother, who he thought was lost, has been found. And this older brother is so full of bitterness and, and, and hatred for his younger brother that the Bible says that he leaves the party and he goes back out into the fields bitter and angry. And I think there's two specific things in this story. We're, we're having some fun. That story is biblically accurate. We're going to study it in just a second. The, the TLC reference is not. So just so you know, TLC did not write the Bible. But Luke 15, there's two specific ways that I think we, we stay stuck, that, we're, that, that keep us stuck. The first one, and we'll talk about the older brother first because he's so bitter and he's so left out. We didn't even have a song for him, so we'll talk about him first. It's a religious heart. The first thing that's going to keep us stuck is a religious heart. In verse 28, it says the older brother was angry. Oh, he was so angry. I just picture him, just, you know, just one of those bitter people with the scowl, the bitter beer face back in the day. I remember that. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all that time you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. The first thing a religious heart will do, it will, it will keep us stuck. But the first thing is what it will do is it will make us angry. It will make us angry because he's got so much unforgiveness inside of him. This dude just needs to forgive people. And I don't know who's hurt you in your life, but you just need to forgive them. You just need to make a decision today that I'm going to forgive the past hurts. I'm going to forgive people in advance. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is like setting the captive free. Setting the prisoner free and then realizing that you were the one in prison and captivity all along. You know, my mom used to say growing up, don't bite your nose off to spite your face. And I'm 28 years old, and I don't know what that phrase means. I still don't. I mean, you know, your, your, your parents used to say stuff, and you're like, yes, ma'am. And you're like, I, I don't know. But I would all be arguing with them, and I'd say, I'm not eating dinner. I'm going to my room. And my mom would be like, don't bite your nose off to spite your face. And I think a lot of us have gone to, to bed without dinner. We've done things to prove somebody wrong or to, to harbor this bitterness, and we're the one that's in jail. We're the one that's held captive by that unforgiveness in our life. The, the pastor of the largest church in the world says it like this. Every morning, this guy pastors a million people, his church in, in Seoul, South Korea. And he says every morning in his quiet time that he gets up and he says this to God. He said, God, today I forgive so many people because I hate so many people. <laughs> and it's true, people suck. Like they're not nice. They're going to let you down. I'm a really good pastor. I'm probably going to let you down. I'm going to do things, and you're going to be like, why do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm an idiot. People are going to let you down. They're going to hurt you. They're going to betray you. Stuff's not going to work out. If you make a decision to forgive them every day, when you say that prayer, when you make that decision, it'll be like, man, I feel better. I'm not stuck anymore holding on to what somebody did to me. I've released that weight, and I'm just walking towards the destination God has for me because I'm going to forgive people. A religious heart will leave us angry. 
The next thing it will do, verse 29, it says, I've slaved for you all of these years. I've slaved for you. This guy is a son, right? He's the oldest son. The, and we'll get to it in a little bit, but it says that the father split his wealth between his two sons. So he's already received his inheritance. He's already the firstborn son, and yet he is so bitter and so unforgiving that his mentality has completely turned the opposite way. It says, I have slaved for you. This guy is a son of this wealthy dad. And he says, I am a slave for you. See, a slave mentality, a, a, a servant mentality is I've got to do this. I've got to go set up for Coastal Church again at 5.30 a.m. Like, I've got to serve in Coastal Kids. I've got to be a good dad. I've got to go to work this week. I've got to talk to people about what God did for me. That's a slave mentality. That's what this son had. He's a son of that house. But that's not what it's supposed to be at all. A son should not have that slave mentality. You should say, this, this is my house. Like, he had access to the Father. Like, he is a co-heir with Christ. He is a son, just like you and I are. It should be a get to. I get to do this because, check this, if you're a son or a daughter in the house, you get the inheritance. You get the blessings just by being there. That's your right. That's your birthright as a co-heir with Christ. So he was angry and he was bitter he had a slave mentality, and the last thing, he was entitled. Verse 30, it says, Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. Notice right there it says this son of yours. Don't we always do that? Like if you're married in here, like anytime your kids do something, it's always your spouse. Like your family's crazy. Like that's what we do, right? Like it's your, that, that daughter of yours, man, I don't know where she got that from. It's not my side of the family. That's, that's his brother, okay? It's following the story, this is his brother, his family as well. But as soon as he doesn't agree with something, his bitterness is said, well, that son of yours, and so it goes on to say, spending or squandering your money on prostitutes. What that tells me is that the older brother knew where the younger brother was the whole time. Ever caught that before? Like, this dude was so bitter and angry about the party, he should have been out helping his younger brother. But he's so religious and he's so, so, so bitter like a lot of us that he's not only outreaching where his brother was, he's also judging about how he came back to church. If we're not careful, that's what we can become as a church. We can judge how other people do it or how they come back and then we can sit in our seat, know where they are and not go and get them. Squandering everything, they're doing all that, squandering on prostitutes, he knew where he was and yet he did nothing because he was bitter, he was enslaved, and he was entitled. Here's, here's what entitlement is. Here's, in America, we have this, unfortunately, as a society, kind of this handout mentality. I mean, let's give me something. What are you going to do for me? What's in it for me? And I think in the kingdom of God, we, we've got to flip that around. It shouldn't be a handout. It should be hands up in, in, in gratefulness and complete surrender to what God has given us. See, how we, how we kill entitlement, how, 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 we, how we get over it, is that we need to, to thank God. This is basically how we heal a religious heart. We need to thank God for everything in our life everything. And then we need to celebrate what he's doing in other people. It's easy for us to thank him for the big things, but what about the breath you took in this morning? Your kids, God love them. I mean, if they've, I mean they're, they're there, right? Just thanking him for the blessing that he's given you, the, 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 the car that you drove in, the padded seat and the AC. I mean, all of that, we could be anywhere else in the world. I don't know if you, you know this, but you didn't create yourself. You didn't put yourself here. What if we started thanking God for the little things and the big things? And we, we can get there for the most part. But what about when something happens to somebody else? You're going after that promotion and your coworker, who equally deserves it just as much as you do, gets it. And you're like, man, congratulations. And then you walk away. I mean, that, 
can't believe he got that job. Like, he, he never shows up on time. We qualify their success. Or you're single in here, and one of your best friends gets married. You're like, oh, I'm so happy for you. You look so beautiful. Yeah, right. I would never pick that dress. Why is she getting married? That's what we're like. We're like, we, we thank God for us. But when, when it happens, something else, when somebody else is blessed, we're like, uh, we qualify it, or we, 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 we talk bad about it. We don't celebrate it. That's how we heal a religious heart. That's how we break that entitlement mentality, is to celebrate what God is doing and other people. First thing that keep us unstuck or get us unstuck is, is, is that healing, getting over a religious heart. The second thing that will keep us stuck is a rebellious heart. A rebellious heart. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, get out a pen and write that down. It's really good. Uh, a rebellious heart will keep us stuck. The younger son told his father, I want the share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. Uh, a rebellious heart will reject the giver and abuse the gift. That's what a rebellious heart will do. It will reject the father that gave it to him. He left, and then he wasted the gift. And we talked about it just a second ago, but if you're sitting here today, you're, you're, you're a human being, you, you don't have a lot to do with the the things that you were gifted with. If you think you're attractive, guess what? God did that. If you think you're not attractive, we'll call that part of the fall, right? We'll call that part when sin entered the earth. And so, but everything that you have, the things that you're good at, your, your smile that you love, that you post your selfie on Instagram, whatever you do, it's because God gave it to you. And my question to myself as I was preparing this week and to you today is, what are the things that God gave you that you're wasting? Now, you're a people person, and you've never invited somebody to church. You're great with, 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 with your hands and you can build stuff and you've never come help set up or tear down or do anything for the kingdom of God. You've never been on a missions trip to, to help people build something. Gifts that you were given to impact the kingdom of God that we are wasting by using them for ourselves or for wrong. We waste stuff all the time. We reject the giver when we waste the gifts. A rebellious heart will do that. It will also, in verse 14, or verse 15, um, it says, uh, he persuaded a local farmer after the famine had broken out to hire him. And the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. So if we have a rebellious heart, we'll, we'll reject the giver, abuse the gift, but it will leave us feeding pigs. That's a pretty low place. Especially if you think about the context of the story. This was a Jewish young man, right? So if you know anything about the Jewish customs or, or, or their culture, they can't eat certain types of food, right? And one of those is pork. Okay, so track with me. So he's, he's working all day from dawn until dusk. Okay, he's sweating nasty. Pigs don't sweat, by the way, which is disgusting. So they're all in their slop and it's gross and he's feeding them and he's working, probably wrestling them. You know, I mean, it's just shoveling pig poop. Like, it's just, it's bad. He is working all day, sweating, bleeding, striving, feeding something that he can never eat. He's feeding something and working for something and striving for something that can never sustain him, that can never fulfill him, that can never help him do anything. He can't even eat the very thing that he's working for. It provides no nourishment to him. And I think there's so many things in our life, there's so many things, whether it be, uh, whether it be uh, uh, an approval addiction that you have, that you're feeding something. You're feeding, I, need, I care about what people think, and you're feeding it and you're feeding it, and it can never feed you. 
There's the American dream that, that money's the answer. It's never going to be enough. You're feeding it. You're working six and seven days a week, and your, your family is falling apart while you pursue something. You're feeding something that at the end of the day will never feed you. You're looking for love on a computer screen or a, or a smartphone and going to all the wrong places, feeding an addiction, feeding a, a void in your life. Man, that that stuff is never going to feed you. We're feeding the pigs with our time, with our resources, and at the end of the day, we can't even get nourishment or sustainment from the very thing that we're living our lives for. A rebellious heart will leave us feeding the pigs. So this young man is, is sitting there realizing all this stuff, and he's like, man, I just, I gotta go home. Like, even the servants in my dad's house have it better than this. Like, I gotta go home. Like, I got to. And the Bible says, in, in, in the verses to follow, it says that he was, he was worried about how his father, and I will go home and I will serve. And isn't that so true that we try and work for it? Like, even in the process, we feel like we have to figure it out before we get there. If you think about that ridiculous song that we sang earlier with, with waterfalls, right? What's a waterfall do? It goes down to the bottom and it creates this, this cycle in the water. If you've ever been whitewater rafting or anything, they say if you ever get caught in that cycle, don't try and fight it because you'll drown. But I think when we get caught in that cycle of sin, when we're feeding the pigs and we're doing all that stuff, we keep fighting and we keep trying and I'm going to do it better and I'm going to stop doing that and I'm going to do this. And we're drowning because the same principle applies that you just got to let go and let that cycle spit you out. Now you can't just stop doing anything in the kingdom of God when it comes to, to what I'm talking about. But what you can do is you can let go of trying and just say, God, I need help. And just watch that cycle spit you out head home. Because one thing that never changes, the Father's heart of redemption the dad pacing at the door, it never changes. And how we heal a religious heart is we don't get it all together, we don't fight in the water, we don't do all that stuff. We just, we just grab our mess and come back to God. Whether it's religious or rebellious, we just, we just we get ready on the way back to God. You know, my wife is never ready. She wasn't ready this morning. We were late. Not for the service, but for the time we were supposed to be here. That's, that is our point of conflict. Like we, we don't fight anymore. Seven years later, we have, we have growth. We have conflict. We, we, grow, we grow together. Um, and so we, 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 we are stubborn, and we have a lot of stuff. But one of the things that, that, that drives her crazy about me is, is, is I, I don't remember details that well um, when they aren't important to me. But that what's important to me probably is not relevant to anybody else. And so, but she's not, never on time. And so there's a story uh, about... Uh, these two, uh, this one guy in our, in our church, um, and so he graduated from college, and, um, and we're going to go to a surprise dinner for him. On Tuesday night, baby, we're going to leave at 6.30. Got to be there at 7. Surprise party starts at 7.10, okay? We're, okay, great. A couple days later, Tuesday rolls around, and we're sitting in the living room watching some TV. Just got home from work. 6.30 comes around. I'm like, hey, babe, we, we need to go. So what all guys do, we say it's time to go. We go to the car, and the women go to the bathroom. They're going to get ready. Like, she's like, I thought we, were le I thought we were, uh, had to be there at 7. I was like, no, sweetheart. Leave at 6.30, be there at 7. He's going to be there at 7.10. So she's freaking out. I do what all guys do. I go to the car, start that bad boy up, give a little couple honks. Just a nice honk, just a beep, beep, you know, not, nothing, nothing rude. And, uh, and I wait a couple minutes, a couple more honks. I open the garage door, back out of the driveway, get in the street, open the passenger door. Anybody been there before? Like, you're literally like halfway to Outback by the time that she's ready. She's still not there. I'm honking. I'm sure all the neighbors are like, oh, he's a great pastor. Good job. Like, he really loves his wife. And so, so I go back in the house. I'm still pretty calm at this point. And, uh, and I go in. I'm like, babe, man, you look beautiful. She's getting ready. Uh, let's go. Like, you look great. 
I walk out, I get to the front door, I realize that Stephanie's not behind me. I go back in, she has on a different outfit. She's having one of those days, one of those days that all you ladies have, it's like, what, you look fine, you look just like you did yesterday, but I feel different, and this doesn't fit, and it just, <laughs> baby, you look beautiful, let's go. And so I walk out again, still no Stephanie, I go back, she has a different outfit on, and everything that she owns is on the bed. Like every outfit. We've gotten to this point, and guys, you've probably said this exact phrase where the car's running, people are waiting it out back, we're going to be late. Baby, we don't have any more time for you to change. Grab your flat iron and your hair dryer. I'll grab the clothes and the makeup. You're just going to have to get in your car, and we're just going to have to get ready on the way. We're just going to have to get ready on the way to Outback. And I think a lot of us stay in our sin and stay in our mess and stay feeding the pigs because we feel like we have to clean it up and have the right outfit on. Our hair has to be done and, and, and heal our past and forgive ourselves and clean up. When God is just saying, hey, I'm standing at home. I'm pacing at the window just like this, Father. I just need you to get ready on the way to me. In fact, I don't really need you to be ready. Just come. Just come as you are. Grab your junk. Grab your stuff. Throw it in the car. Whatever you need to do, just come back home. And we find this story closing out in verse 20. This is what the whole story is about. A lot of people say prodigal son or the older son. It's really about the father in the story and your father in heaven that loves you. It says, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He doesn't want you to figure it out. He's not judging how you're coming back home. He's filled with love and compassion waiting for you to come back home. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And the Bible says he kept kissing him. He Gave him butterfly kisses, right? And so he's, he's there, and he, he's, been, he's been pacing. I picture this dad. The Bible says that he saw him a long way off, so that means he was looking for him. <laughs> he wasn't, this culture, for, for what this son did, he could have been killed. He could have been publicly beaten for, for disowning his family name like he did and wasting that money. Those are all the things that he deserved. But his dad wasn't thinking about any of that. He was thinking about, where's my son? And as soon as he saw him, he ran out the door and he met him. And the Bible said he did three things. He gave him his robe. So the, the guy thought he was gonna have to come back and work for it. The son did. The father gave him his robe, which represents his righteousness. What Christ did on the cross for you and for me, paying for our sin, rising and giving us victory. He, he took off his dirty, nasty clothes and gave him a clean robe of righteousness. And that's enough. That, should, that, that would be enough for any of us. But God said, you're, you're a co-heir. And what this father did to symbolize it is he gave him a ring off his finger, the, the, the family emblem, saying, you're not gonna be a servant in this house. My son has come home. And what that means is you are an heir to this place. I don't care what you've done. I'm just glad we're back here in relationship. You are a son. What that means to us that we are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We have that inheritance based on what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And the last thing he did, he gave him the shoes off of his feet because in the Old Testament, we had to go through all of these rituals and symbolic sacrifices and actual sacrifices to, to get to the presence of God. And what this is symbolizes is, is, is you don't have to take off your shoes anymore like Moses and Joshua did. You can approach me humbly and boldly. You can come into my presence. Welcome home, my son. He just came back home. Religious, rebellious in here today. We're all guilty of some of that. We're all doing some of that. We just got to come home because the Father is home. Our healing, our redemption is at home. You know, as we get ready to close today, that's, we could stop there. And we're going to pray for you in just a second if, if that's you and you, you need to come back home. But I think as a church, that's where we stop a lot. We, we come back and we, we pray a prayer and we make a decision and we celebrate and then we stop. Well, I'm saved. I'm good. I'm going to show up on the weekends. I'm, I'm here. 
And I don't think that's what we're called to do. The Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of Christ in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your destination that we talked about at the beginning of the message is at home with the Father looking for his lost kids. Because see, here's the principle. Found people find people. And if you know the way home, if you know the way back to the Father, why would you not spend all of your time just go out and looking for his lost kids? Let me say it. Maybe bring this to life for some of those of you who had kids in here. If, 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 if Bentley and I are playing in the front yard, and he's two and a half, and for whatever reason I'm an awful parent, and I leave him in the front yard, I go in to get him a, a cup of water or, or, or go in and, and get something for him, and I come back and somebody has taken my son. My son is lost. I can't find him anywhere. I'm freaking out. I'm crying. I'm calling 911. I'm calling my wife. Everybody I know, have you seen Bentley? I'm going to every door in the neighborhood. Just where's my son? Where's Bentley? Have you seen him? He looks like this. Here's a picture. If I lost him that day, here's what I know I wouldn't be doing. I wouldn't be planting a church in Winter Springs, Florida. I wouldn't be here today. I would find something that I could do to live in that house for the rest of my life. I would sit in that house and wait for somebody to call. Have you seen my son? Every time the phone rang, have you seen Bentley? I'd be walking, posting up posters, looking for my lost little boy. The people that I would surround myself with, the people that I would be in fellowship with and do life with, would only be people that wanted to find Bentley. Have you seen Bentley? You want to help? Okay, we can be best friends. And our Father in Heaven has a lot of lost kids. And I think he's asking today, oh, I'm glad you're home and we're going to celebrate and we're going we're to throw a party. But hey, there's a lot of other lost people out there. Which one of his kids are in your family or in your schools or in your workplace? And they don't know the way home. And you got the map. You've just been there. You've just experienced the robe and the ring and the sandals. And you can show them the way home. That's our destination. That's our job. Found people, find people. That's what Coastal Church is all about. Helping his lost sons and daughters find their way home and find their destination. Let's pray in this place today. God, we love you. And we just thank you, Father, that you are the perfect Father, that no matter how far we've run, how how rebellious, how bitter we've been, God, that you are still there just waiting for us to turn around. You know, Coastal, the, the Bible says that we are to repent, which simply means to turn around. So whether you've been re rebellious or religious, whether you've been judging and unforgiving or you've just been running, running and partying and some of the stuff that the young son did uh, in this story you did last night, it doesn't matter. The Bible says if you repent, turn from the direction you were going and walk towards him, he will meet you there, and he is faithful to do that every single time. So if you're in here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if you would like to, to stop being religious or rebellious or wherever you are in your life, I want to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I want to be a part of that party, and I want to be a part of helping him find his other lost kids. For the first time, starting a relationship with Jesus, or for the first time in a long time, would you slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Count me in that prayer, Justin. I want to come home and show others the way. Anybody else before we pray? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. God, I love you. And I thank you for your son, Jesus. Today I'm confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart that you are Lord. I give you complete control 
today, I'm turning around from rebellion or from being religious, and I'm coming home. Thank you, Jesus. And God, I pray for every person in this place, wherever we are on our journey, God, that we would realize that our destination is in your presence and helping you find your lost kids, that that is what we do, no matter our, our, our gifting, our, our talent, where we are in this world, in the church, out of the church, Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday, our job is to help people find their way home. So give us practical examples this week to show the tangible love of God and to point people in the direction of their Savior. God, we love you in this place. It's your name we pray. Amen.